The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. In Israel, to be a realist, you must believe in miracles. So said the country's founding prime minister, David Ben-Gurion. It's taken for granted in the Holy Land that a call to God is a local call and that miracles do happen. I'd like the church to take such a pragmatic view towards miracles since God's word is so evident that we're supposed to expect divine intervention. When did it become presumptuous to believe God? When did faith become presumptuous? Well, I hope this will strengthen your faith to step out and believe in the God of Israel, the God of miracles who is still very active in our lives, if we'll only have faith. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. I believe true biblical faith takes God at His word and expects Him to make it real in our lives. It would be tragic to read in the Bible how God performed miracles, but that I couldn't expect the same power today. There are actually unbelievers, even well-known theologians in the church, who claim that the age of miracles has passed but they have unknowingly accused God of being a liar because his testimony about himself is that he never changes and he's surely still a miracle working God. This book is not just a book of feel good quotations, but it's a book of miraculous power that's meant to achieve results in our lives. The writer of Hebrews 4.12 declared one of my favorite verses. For the Word of God is living and full of power and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Powerful in this verse comes from the Greek word for energy, action. The Word of God is powerful in actions to achieve results for us. This sword of the Spirit will receive the same results in any generation if it's wielded with faith. Now in Isaiah 55:11, another favorite verse of mine, God says, my word out of my mouth is like the rain and snow. It will not come back to me empty without results, but it will accomplish whatever I want and it will achieve the purpose for which I send it. The King James Version renders it that God's word will prosper in the purpose for which God sends it. How can we pick up these verses and believe them if we accept the lazy lie in many Christian circles that miracles are no longer for today? Contrary to the teaching of those who claim that biblical miracles no longer occur, God says that His Word will accomplish things that please Him. And no time limit is put in the Bible upon God's promises. The word accomplish in Isaiah 55, 11 that I just quoted is the same Hebrew action word used in Numbers 23, 19, an important verse in which it says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent, hath he said, and shall he not accomplish, do it, or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? 
And in Jeremiah 1.12, God says that he's going to hasten his word to perform it. The word translated perform is the same Hebrew word used for accomplish and do it. He's the creator. He will act when we believe and decree his word. Theologians who claim that the day of miracles has ceased often argue that we don't need miracles because now we have the canon of scripture and that's enough. But such an argument limits this word of God. Such an argument fails to unleash faith, to believe all of the magnificent promises in this word. Either the secessionists are wrong or God's word is unreliable. But God's word is reliable and he guarantees it will bring results when it's believed. The teaching of cessationism says that God has chosen to stop doing miracles. Miracles have supposedly become unnecessary. But who doesn't need a miracle? Come on. Who doesn't need a healing or a deliverance or some sort of financial breakthrough? Every day, I need God to act in my life in ministry. Cessationism is the argument that God's gifts and miracles of the Holy Spirit ceased when the last apostle died or when the canon of Scripture was completed. But even cessationists can't agree on when God decided to stop working miracles because they have no Bible verses to back up their claim. Nowhere in this Bible does God say that we're to stop believing Him for miracles and breakthroughs. On the contrary, He is always looking for men and women in every generation who will believe Him and who will do exploits for Him and for His kingdom. The erroneous doctrine that the age of miracles has passed robs the church of power and keeps professing believers confused and even paralyzed from claiming God's promises, especially, for example, healing. So this false doctrine makes faith a presumption. Cessationism is out of touch with prophetic reality. There's never been a more miraculous time since the early church than right now because we're watching the miracle of the nation of Israel resurrected before our eyes. We've seen so many miracles of preservation of the Jewish people throughout the centuries. And in our ministry, we've seen so many healings among the people of the Middle East. Now, as the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh in the last days, and increasingly so. To deny that the miraculous is for today and to relegate God's miracles to the past I believe does grave damage to Bible believers' faith walk. You see, the Lord taught His disciples that when we pray, we're supposed to believe and expect God to intervene and to answer. Otherwise, prayer is just an empty religious ritual. God's promises still require God's divine intervention in our daily lives. So I want to help to build your faith. Let's allow the Bible to speak for itself. For example, let's look over in the New Testament at 1 Corinthians 1.7. Here the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians that they didn't lack any spiritual gift as they waited eagerly for the coming of our Lord Jesus. So that covers a long period of time. 
The word gift in this verse is the Greek word charisma, which refers to miraculous abilities, the gifts mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Gifts such as the word of knowledge, the working of miracles, healings, and so forth. If Paul had any inkling that these gifts would end at his passing or at the completion of the New Testament, then why would he encourage the Corinthians to keep possessing all the spiritual gifts while waiting for the return of the Lord? It's impossible to believe that Paul thought the gifts would cease because he encouraged the believers to continue exercising spiritual gifts right up until the coming of the Lord, the whole church age. In fact, as the coming of the Lord draws near, the times become more perilous and burdensome, and so the gifts are needed more, not less. We need supernatural help to resist sin and temptation and to finish bringing in the great harvest of the Gentiles. Concerning himself, God said in Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord, I change not. God's word clearly says that God doesn't lie, he doesn't change, and he performs his word. All of this proves that cessationism contradicts the Bible. The truth is God still faithfully works miracles today when we believe his promises about healing or about anything we need. If miracles have ceased, then it's meaningless to pray the prayer of faith in James chapter 5 to save the sick. The cessationists don't see miracles because their faith just isn't activated. So their conclusion is that the gifts served the purpose long ago to authenticate the apostles. Supernatural gifts were their credentials. And these weak arguments have wormed their way into all sorts of Bible commentaries, which grieve me from time to time as I read them, and into many devotionals. But God's very nature prohibits him from denying the miraculous to his people in this present age. So many miracles happen on a daily basis in Israel. Despite a barrage of missiles constantly fired at Israel by Hamas, there have been remarkably few civilian casualties, partly due to Israel's Iron Dome defense system, but also because of Israel's unseen defender, the God of Israel, who controls the wind and the waves. The mobile units of the Iron Dome reportedly work about 90% of the time, but the 10% of missiles that get through could do serious damage. In a remarkable case, an Israeli Iron Dome operator said that he witnessed the hand of God divert an incoming Hamas rocket right into the sea. The missile was headed toward a target near Tel Aviv, and hundreds of civilians could have been killed. The Israeli commander took quick, appropriate action to stop to intercept the missile. He fired a first interceptor and a second interceptor, but both missed taking down the missile, and the commander was shocked. He had just four seconds left until the missile would land. He said, we warned emergency services of an imminent mass casualty, but then something amazing happened. Suddenly, Iron Dome, which calculates wind speeds, indicated that a major wind was rushing in from the east, 
a strong wind that violently pushed the missile into the sea. The commander said, we were all stunned. You see, with only four seconds to spare, a mighty wind rushed in from nowhere and diverted the missile. The commander stood up and shouted, there is a God. He said, I witnessed this miracle with my own eyes. I saw the hand of God send that missile into the sea. Even the leaders of Hamas noticed the unusual help that Israel received from above. One of the Hamas commanders said, we do aim our rockets, but their God changes their path in midair. Hallelujah. Well, during the same week, Colonel Ofer Winter, commander of Israel's Givati Infantry Brigade, described a mysterious fog that suddenly enveloped him and his troops. They had planned a nighttime raid into Gaza, but it had to be postponed until the morning. Without the cover of darkness, they were concerned if the troops would be spotted as they advanced on an enemy position. But the thick fog provided the covering they needed to complete their operation successfully. Colonel Winter described the fog as clouds of glory. He wasn't ashamed to pray to the God of Israel for help. And he told his troops that he was praying that the Lord your God will go out with you to fight for you against your enemies and save you, just as in the days of the Bible. Well, concerning God's gifts and miracles, we're told a highly important statement about the length of time that God's gifts are to last. And that statement is found in Romans eleven twenty nine. This is such an important verse because Christians quote it all the time concerning themselves. The verse says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The Amplified Bible is even clearer. It says, for the gifts of God and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Three things to note here about this verse. First of all, the context it primarily concerns, not the church, but the people of Israel. Romans chapter 11 is about God's ongoing relationship with Israel, how he has not rejected them as a people, and that the gifts and calling of the Jewish people have never been withdrawn. And secondly, if we want to talk about spiritual gifts, the text very plainly says God does not cease or withdraw his gifts. That's very plain, hallelujah. So let's not malign God by saying that the age of miracles has been withdrawn. And here's a third point. The word for gifts here in Romans eleven twenty nine, saying God's gifts never cease, is the exact same word found in 1 Corinthians 12, the chapter concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the charismata. So Romans eleven twenty nine is a verse that says God does not break his promises or change his mind or withdraw his gifts, his charismata. They are irrevocable, the Bible says. Now that word irrevocable means something that cannot be revoked. It cannot be recalled. It's something that's unable to be repealed or annulled. 
It can't be altered. God's promises can't change, but our unbelief can interfere with God's good intentions. I often tell the story because it's just so powerful of Welsh intercessor Rhys Howells, who helped to recover apostolic faith in the last century. Rhys Howells told God that he would pay any price to recover the healing message promised in the Bible, but lost in the churches due to unbelief. And so he took a man with tuberculosis to the island of Madeira to experience a warmer climate because in those days TB was still incurable. The wife of the island's missionary greeted Howells and asked about the condition of his sick friend. Howells informed her that God said the man would be healed on a certain day. No, she said. How can you say such a thing? How can you give that poor man such hope? She said, don't you know that such a thing has never happened before? And Howells answered, lady, it's never happened before because of unbelief. Well, the man was miraculously healed, and it was the talk of the town when they returned to Wales. And I like the epilogue to this story. After their return to Wales, Howells himself began to cough up blood. Now, you know whether or not you have faith when you're tested like that. When there's no panic and only peace in your spirit, you know that you're in a state of faith. And Howells passed that test. Rather than becoming anxious, he was able to disregard the symptoms and they just vanished. They just went away. Now, let's consider the irrevocable promise in Acts chapter 2 in verses 17 and 18, which is referring to the Old Testament prophecy of Joel 2:28, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall see visions and dream dreams. And on my servants and handmaidens, God said, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, one of the gifts of the spirit. Notice that the supernatural ability to prophesy and to have visions and dreams wasn't limited to the apostolic age, but was meant to be the special characteristic of the last days. This means it's impossible for those gifts to have ceased after the apostolic age. Also in Acts 2, verses 38 and 39, the Apostle Peter said that this promise for miraculous power was a promise to his generation and to their children, meaning the following generation, and to all those who are far off, meaning all generations to come in the church. Even, Peter said, to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, that statement clearly means that the gift of miraculous power accompanying the Holy Spirit is not only for the apostolic age, but it's a promise from God for the whole crowd that Peter was addressing. And yet it wasn't limited just to them. The supernatural gift extended as well to their children and even to all who are afar off. So that includes you and me. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and they were all filled with the Spirit and inflamed with power, and they began to speak in new tongues. This type of Holy Spirit activity did not end at Pentecost. 
These types of manifestations have taken place throughout the history of the church. For example, in 1860 in South Africa, the church came alive. Old and young people, black and white, they all flocked to the meetings. And before long, there were three prayer meetings a day. And people were upset if the meetings finished too early. The meetings would begin with quietness and then prayer. And then suddenly, the same noise of a rushing wind would be heard filling the atmosphere. Some worshipers fell down under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Well, the theologian Andrew Murray had prayed for revival in South Africa, but when he heard the sound of the wind and the Holy Spirit coming upon the gathering, he tried to quieten down the people. But a visitor said to him, be careful what you do. I've come from America where revival has been moving and precisely like what we've been witnessing here. So don't quench the Spirit of God. Amen. I've seen the Holy Spirit fall in the midst of a Muslim nation in Arabia, both inside and outside of worship services. Lives are dramatically changed. And Andrew Murray, one of my heroes of the faith, spent the rest of his ministry defending the credibility of biblical miracles, often refuting the arguments of the cessationists. He once said, Most churches just don't know that God rules the world by the prayers of His people, and that prayer is the power that conquers Satan, and through prayer the church on earth has access to the power of the heavenly throne. Andrew Murray believed that what was true for the first disciples of Jesus is certainly true for every believer today. Unbelief limits what God can do in our lives. A spirit of doubt and unbelief will often try to manipulate God's Word to accommodate our lack of faith. For example, we hear from time to time amongst certain Messianic communities that they don't want to believe in the biblical doctrine of the Trinity because that doctrine is a stumbling block to many Jewish people. So some Messianic believers in Jesus will perhaps try to compromise and accommodate their message about Messiah to the Jewish people by denying the Trinity. But please notice, I want you to notice that all three members of the Godhead are mentioned in Acts 10.38. That verse says how, number one, God anointed, second person of the Godhead, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see, we don't have to change the word of God. It's all there, and someday it will be accepted by Israel. And Jesus accomplished all those exploits, not just because he's God and we just can't come up to his level, but he accomplished miracles because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who anoints us to do exploits. Jesus taught that he is our model to follow, and so we can have miracles in our ministry today also. In fact, one of the theme verses and mandates of our ministry is Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus said, 
and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, territory that the world calls the West Bank. And then Jesus added, you'll receive power even unto the uttermost part of the earth. So please don't forget that the word power in this verse, Acts 1.8, is the Greek word dunamis, God's miracle working power. So don't be robbed of this promise and privilege to move in the same miracle working power that our Lord modeled for us. If the Lord hadn't promised supernatural power, we could doubt. But since he told us that we would do his works and even greater works in John 14, 12, then let's claim his promises according to our faith. In that amazing verse, John 14, 12, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater than these because I'm going to the Father. Notice that Jesus didn't say only the apostles will do these things and then miracles will cease. He didn't say that. He said the person who believes on him will do these things. And that verse has no time limit. Hallelujah. It's the same open invitation as when Jesus said, He who believes on me will receive everlasting life. So the promise of John 14, 12 means that the very works of Jesus should be done by men and women today who please God and who are walking in the footsteps of Jesus. The promise was made to those who believe on Jesus, not to those who doubt or to those who intellectually believe about Jesus. A person may believe correctly about Jesus, but not believe on Jesus. Even the devil and the demons believe in Jesus and know a lot about him, but they don't believe on him. They don't trust him. Do you see the difference? No wonder the cessationists don't see miracles. If our theology contradicts the Bible, why should we get results? But by the way, St. Ambrose, one of the most influential figures of the fourth century, Ambrose lived over 300 years after the apostles. He wrote that it's the will of the Lord that his disciples should possess great powers. Ambrose dared to quote John 14, 12, you shall do greater things than these. Even Martin Luther, who unfortunately fell later into tragic anti-Semitism, nevertheless in his earlier years of faith, Luther wrote that if there's a Christian who has faith, he will have power to do miracles, as Jesus said in John 14, 12. Luther also quoted Matthew 10, 8, which says, The Lord has given believers power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease. So let's not doubt God's word. The authority of the believer has not ceased. In these dark and dangerous days, let's shine and take hold of God's promises to stand against disease and demons. We need to strengthen one another in these last days, and I hope our time together has strengthened your faith. And You can watch this program again at any time at our website at exploits.tv for a faith booster. The days are becoming very burdensome due to the awful things that are happening throughout the world and the apostasy all around us. Yet, God's Word says there will be a remnant who will be strong and do exploits. Let that be me and you.
by the grace of God. So I'd like to stay in contact via the social media or at our website, exploits.tv, where you can sign up to receive our free color magazine, Exploits. A reminder also that our Jerusalem Channel app is available free to download from your app store. And so, until next time, seriously contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dark. Shalom and Maranatha.